The information provided is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek advice of your healthcare professional and any other questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Hi, fitness junkies. It's Dr. Leslie again. I'm coming to you from the Sticky Paws studio where I film my podcast. I wanted to bring you an opportunity that is out of this world. I have launched my Living Your Mastery Total Transformation program where I create the life that you've always wanted authentically. Yes, everything that you want and desire you can have and I have the program for you. I've partnered with MD Spa by Trim Care to help facilitate the physical transformation aspect of my program. We offer everything from aesthetics, regenerative medicine, primary care, weight loss, really everything. You name it, we've got it. You can contact them at 702-718-7888 and just let them know that Fitness Junkies sent you. Hey all you fitness junkies, this is George with American Medical Wellness. Have you ever thought about being a better you, actually getting in better shape, optimizing your performance in the gym, losing body fat, gaining muscle? We at American Medical Wellness are experts in helping you with all these things. So please give us a call, 702-347-7000 or visit our website at AmericanMedicalWellness.com. You want to strip fat off your body. There is nothing, no type of cardiovascular or weight training that comes anywhere close to... He spent 20 years working in life insurance, predicting when people were going to die to the nearest month. And now he's on a mission to extend your life. Most people, they're walking around right now at about 55% of their true state of normal. There is an element missing from their body that would make the difference between them being an average person and being a superhuman. How? Everything that we put into our bodies gets converted into the usable form. If you cannot make this conversion, you have a deficiency. And it is this deficiency that leads to these conditions. They have accepted something as either a consequence of aging, stress, or their environment. That's not a consequence of any of those things. I'm going to tell you exactly how to find out what it is that's missing so you could thrive in a way that you probably never thought possible. Let's use Dana White as an example. So LabCorp calls us and says, hey, we have a life-threatening alert on a patient. He had all of these conditions. I've been talking to doctors. None of them could fix any of my problems. I said, I'm surprised he can even sleep through the night without choking, gagging. He's like, slammed his hand down. How did you know that? And I said, if you don't do what we're going to ask you to do, you have a life expectancy of 10.4 years. And in 10 weeks, he has such a material change. And he was like, I had no idea I could feel this good. And his life expectancy? Almost tripled. Someone who's just heard that at home, where do they start? So. I keep saying I'll start on Monday, and Monday never comes. I go on a holiday soon, and I really want a bigger bum and a smaller waist. Can you help? Look, if you want to come, Jim, come. Make sure you put the work in. Some want to get fit, some want to get slim. Some want to start competing, but enough of them just can't stop cheating. When their belly is full, they're still eating. What's up, FitFam? This is Giovanni of Jill's Logic, your host of Fitness Junkies. I hope this show meets you in good health and spirits, and if not, I hope it inspires you to do something about it. Well, actually, I know it's going to inspire you to do something about it, because I am so excited about this guest, both of my guests today, and I want to tell you a little bit why, but I want you to like and share this episode with people that you know that need this guy's stuff. And it's, it's really important because 
Life is, is interesting, and I, I really want to get to a higher place with this conversation because things don't happen by accident. We're sitting here for a reason, and this gentleman next to me has got a lot of stuff that's going to help a lot of people. And I manifested this over months and months and months to be here with this gentleman um, he's a man of faith, um, I'm a man of faith, and it's happening for a reason. Um, Gary, thank you so much for being here. Oh, I man, really I'm appreciate super it. super excited to be here, and I love the faith angle, you know? Yes. Because um, I, too, I believe in serendipity, not really in coincidence, so I think yes. it's probably very serendipitous that we're here today. Yes, yes. And my other guest, Emily, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Gio. Happy to be here. Awesome, awesome. So I, I played that little clip from your IG because I've watched a lot of your content and it's out there what you've done for Dana and for several other people, celebrities. I know you do a lot of work on us normal people. Sure. And But I, I wanted to start a little different. I, I'm a, a little bit unique in the way I like to interview. Mm-hmm. Um, I try and do it organically. Um, and I want to start with above the gen- genetics, epigenetics. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about things like how loneliness is now one of the biggest threats to people's health. Mm-hmm. And loneliness is not a disease. It's true. It's, it's an emotion that has a chemical compound that it can affect our, our body. That's very true. And so I want to start there, and then we can work down to the brain, and then the brain-gut connection, and sure. and get it all in. So yeah. let's start there. Like, how does loneliness affect our bi- biology? So, so first, if you say, how does loneliness affect us, we have to say, what is loneliness physiologically, okay. right? So well, um, if you ask me, Gary, what is a mood? What is an emotional state, right? So loneliness, or for that matter, passion, elation, joy, arousal. What are these moods? What are these emotional states? Loneliness being one of them. They are a collection of neurotransmitters, right? Like a recipe, and they're usually bound to oxygen. So all the elevated emotional states actually require oxygen as a part of their molecular structure. Things like loneliness or other, let's call those suppressive emotional states, despair, uh, jealousy, resentment, depression, low states of emotion, number one, don't require oxygen, and they require a different set of neurotransmitters. So imagine if you went to a bakery chef and you said, listen, you can bake whatever you want, you just can't use butter. Well, it doesn't sound like a big deal. It's just one ingredient, right? But just think of the number of recipes that would affect, right? Cookies, pastries, brownies, pies, cupcakes, whatever. The same thing happens in human beings. If I said you can manufacture any emotional state you want, you just can't use serotonin, right? So now you take serotonin out of the recipe and you try to manufacture emotions that require serotonin. You can't get there. And so loneliness is a state of, of, of emotion that has generally persists because of nutrient deficiencies in the human body, right? When you deprive the human body of certain nutrients, you get the consequence of that deficiency. So if I was able to magically go into your body and just deplete dopamine, 
Um, dopamine is the main driver of behavior. It's the neurotransmitters that's the main driver of behavior. If I deplete dopamine, you would eventually engage in dopamine-seeking behavior. Right? So maybe it's promiscuity, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's nicotine, maybe it's workaholic, maybe it's a workout-aholic. Um, doesn't have to be a negative addiction. It could be what we call healthy addiction, but it's an addiction, right? You're not engaging in that activity because you like the activity. You're engaging in that activity because it makes you feel normal. Mm. It's very much why I will tell you that if you show me a child, for example, a young child that can play video games 12 or 14 hours a day, I'll show you a future addict because they're not playing the video game because they like the video game. They're playing the video game because it makes them feel normal, right? Which is actually the genesis of nearly all forms of addiction is the search for normalcy, right? An addict usually, if you've ever been one or known one, um, you, you know, an addict didn't just wake up one day and go, I want to get really banged up. Right. They woke up one day and said, I want to feel normal. Right. And whatever that activity or that substance was, you know, this is why we have a sugar addiction. It's why we have a nicotine addiction. It's why we have an alcohol addiction. It's why we have a work alcoholic addiction. It's why we have work addictions. Because it actually engaging in that activity makes me feel normal. And so loneliness is the absence of certain nutrients in the human body. Now, obviously, it can occur for short periods of time because of events in our life. Isolation. Isolation okay. being the biggest one. I mean, isolation is probably the most detrimental thing that you can do to a human being. In wow. fact, some of the worst clinical research ever done on humanity and human beings is when we study things in isolation, right? We take a cell out of the body and we put it in a Petri dish in the lab and we say, how does this behave in a lab? And we say, um, you know, we take skin cells or other cells from the human body and we study them in isolation. Cells do not exist in isolation. They exist in communities. You want mm. to cut the life expectancy of a human being in half, put them in isolation, right? This is why, you know, if you separate a fish from the school, it's the first to be killed. If you separate an animal from the herd, it's the first to be hunted. If you separate human beings from other human beings, they are the first to meet their demise. Now, is there, you said there's a nutrient deficiency, mm -hmm. but is there also an emotional um, reaction to being lonely that has a chemical compound effect to the human body. Yes, there's a, a, you know, every emotion has a chemical cascade that's associated with it, right? So we know that, um, you know, our recovery from certain emotional states is, you know, I have a, I have a saying that the half-life of your negative emotion is directly correlated to your success. So in other words, the longer you hold on to negative emotions, the more impactful it will be in your life, mm. right? So if, how do we rebound quickly, right? How do we, how do I move from one assault in emotional state, not a physical assault, but an emotional, a mental, a physiologic assault into a state where I actually start to feel some normalcy again? Well, the first thing that we need to do to have healthy emotional states is we need to have the right raw materials in the human body. This is one of the reasons why exercise linked to, you know, endorphins and raising your level of oxygen is so good for your emotional state. You know, we, we don't want to think that exercise could cure depression, but exercise can cure depression. <laughs> it, it's, you know, we, we don't want to believe that, right. right? We would rather believe that, um, you know, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors or Welbutrin or, or, you know, Prozac is the answer. The truth right. is if you, the more you move, the less of a suppressive state you, 
you're going to be in. Right. right. You might have heard on my previous podcast, I said, um, the reason why no human being has ever woken up laughing, right, right, is because you don't have the oxidative state to experience laughter, right? You you're you're too deprived of oxygen to reach that elevated emotional state. Um, but can you wake up angry? Right. Yeah. I mean, if you want to do a really fun experiment tonight, just pinch your spouse while they're in a deep sleep. Right? <laughs> Give them a good, deep, vicious pinch. They will wake up firing F-bombs, right? right? I mean, why? Because anger doesn't require oxygen. It doesn't need the same oxidative state. Right. So what happens when you pull simple nutrients, simple raw materials like oxygen out of the blood? You can only reach states that don't require oxygen. Anger, depression, um, despair, vengeance, resentment, um, jealousy. So these are very readily available emotions. But if you want to experience passion, elation, joy, arousal, libido, right? All the hell yeah, I won the lottery emotions, <laughs> right? The really upper tier of emotions. Right. You have to have the oxidative state. Right, right. right. Um, you had a little experience yesterday with getting some bad news. And what did you do? Um, yeah, so I just basically, um, you know, you receive any kind of news, good, bad, indifferent. Um, but it's, it's more so for me about mindset, right? So I'm like, Hey, that, that really wasn't how I saw that, how I saw that appointment going mm. or that meeting going. Um, okay, that's great. But, um, let me go to the gym and fix my attitude. Um, so I went and did, you know, an hour, hour and 15 minutes at the gym um, left that kind Great of there. place to yeah. fix your attitude. I you love know, that. I'm like, and that's right. what I texted Gio. I'm like, Hey, you know, this, that's kind of, kind of a shitty thing, right? I wasn't really expecting that, but like sit here and be upset about it, or sad about it. It's for me, it's mindset, right? Uh -huh. So, so how do I fix my mindset? How do I, like you said, increase that oxygen flow? Um, you yeah. know, things like that. So, you know, for me, 40 minutes of cardio is great. You know, yeah. leave that. Let me, let me, that's why I texted you. Hey, let me, let me go fix my attitude Yeah, and I'll, I'll be back. Let me yeah. Fix a little bit. Right. I love that. I love how you use exercise to fix your attitude. You know, I use breath work a lot. Similar, similar thing. Similar, was, right? Tony Robbins talks about that too. Change yes. your state. Yes. Right. You feel that coming on, change your state. Yes. Um, right. And, um, you know, and, and one of his big techniques is, is, is breath work. I'm a huge right. fan of, but. Right. So, um, I've been following this guy, uh, this Dr. Bruce Lipton. He's, Huge fan. Yeah. And, um, you know, he talks about, like, archetypes of people that get cancer and, and how stress, there's, there's this component to stress that changes our biology. Um, what, like, can you talk a little bit more about those types of things? Yeah, no question. I mean, there's, there's a process in the human body that's called hormesis. Okay, hormesis is a positive rebound from stress. So when you apply certain stresses, the body actually strengthens, right? We know that if you don't load a bone, it doesn't strengthen. If you don't actually tear a muscle, it won't grow. If you don't challenge the immune system, it will weaken. So, you know, I, I say all the time that aging is the aggressive pursuit of comfort, but the, the truth is that if we don't strengthen our body, it's hard to strengthen our emotional state. Right, because a weakened body is in a weakened emotional state, and so um, you know, just even the basic fundamentals of mild exercise can actually improve our mental function. So there's this hormetic response. We also know that we used to think that the um, you know we only use ten percent of our brains. We know now that's not true. We know that the other ninety percent of our brain is constantly in touch with forty-two trillion cells in the human body. 
We only last year passed the computing power of the brain with all of the iPhones in America. So just last year, the total capacity of the iPhones in America just finally surpassed the computing power of the brain. So just think of the enormity that the brain has in terms of its complex makeover, over 32 trillion cells. We also know now if this surrenders, this surrenders, right? There's a very interesting study that's about to be published. I want to say it's out of Scandinavia or Sweden. And um, they, they took two, two groups of, of cancer patients that were actually receiving the same diagnosis. And uh, it was a terminal diagnosis. And they essentially put one group into a room and said, listen, you're, you're lucky. God must be shining on you because your cancer qualifies for a very particular type of trial um, where that has proven to be 100% effective. Virtually no chance that you're going to succumb to this disease. Everyone that's been through this trial is, has uh, come out on the other end. We've had 100% efficacy rate. And, you know, the people in, in the room next to us, unfortunately, are not getting the same news. And, um, and they, they realize that once this surrenders, and this surrenders, we know that if the brain is controlling 32 trillion cells and the brain surrenders, then we know that 32 trillion cells surrender. We also know that we actually have physiologic pathways. These are not only neuronal pathways, but chemical pathways where mood and emotion can actually affect the inflammatory response from a cell. We can actually measure cytokines, prostaglandin E2s, bradykinins, these, these inflammatory factors, histamines that come out of cells that actually begin to secrete inflammatory factors in the presence of negative emotional states. We also know that um, thoughts and fears can actually change our physiology. Remember, you know, um, the, the brain doesn't know the difference between perception and reality. Mm. How is it that I could sit in a room, be perfectly safe with no threat and start imagining a threat or start experiencing anxiety or start dwelling on a threat and actually change my heart rate? Right. Actually begin to put my body into a parasympathetic mode and actually begin to sweat, dilate my pupils, restrict my airway, reduce my breathing. How can I have this much of an effect on my physiology just with thought? I think that's probably what you're feeling about right now, right? Right, right. <laughs> well, not now. You went to the gym. Right, went to the gym. Right, went to the gym. Right, went to the gym. No, I was just a little nervous. That's all oh, I was she's nervous? Yeah. Let's do some... Get some breath work. Get some breath work, yeah. We'll get it right down. Um, but yeah, go on. That was, that, was, that was great stuff. Well, I mean, we know that if, if, if a thought can actually change, the, um, change our heart rate and if an emotion can actually make us sweat... And if a fear can actually restrict our airway, then we start to understand the impact of emotion on human physiology. We know that our current emotional state determines our future. Um, you know, we, we know now there's an amazing study by MIT in 20, 2016. If you want to look it up, just put in M, capital MIT um, and, uh, and put MIT and memory study. And, and you'll, you'll find that the emotional center of our brain is linked to the part of our brain that controls our memory. And our memory is where we draw our consciousness from, right? So, you know, if you get in your car after you leave this podcast and you drive home, um, you're going to be thinking about a thousand things. You're going to be on the phone. You're going to be listening to the radio. You're going to be looking outside the cabin. You're actually not going to think about where your house is and where you need to turn and the speed that you need to drive. This is all going to be automated from memory, right? So we know that memory could take us from one destination unconsciously to another. Well, 
what's driving that memory is our emotional state. And so if we don't learn to control our emotional state, what it does is it seeds the memory with negative impulses, which actually populates our conscience with negative impulses. So people that don't learn to control their emotional state will never control their future. You know, if you, you know one of those people that just think bad things always happen to me, mm. you know? My mm. boss is a jerk, my spouse is an asshole, my kids are rowdy, you know, the, the, I don't like the school that they go to, you know, it's, things are always happening to me. Right. No, they're actually happening within you. And, you know, this was a hard thing for me to even grapple with to realize that, you know, at some point in my life when I was younger, I was a real asshole. You know, okay. <laughs> you? you know, because right? I was just, you know, I was so like focused on wanting to have money and, and, um, you know, I was in this industry where I was predicting death and I was well known in the industry. So I had a lot of, you know, I had a lot of egotistical food mm. and, um, but I wasn't really making any impact on humanity and frustratingly, I also wasn't wealthy either, which is really what I always wanted to be. I just wanted to be wealthy. You know, I didn't become wealthy until I started focusing on people's well-being. Crazy. You know, really understanding how the universe worked and the universal law of attraction. But um, the long and short of that is that, you know, if we would spend more time learning to master our emotional state, we could really control our future. And it's not that negative things happen to us. Negative things happen within us. Mm. And they actually attract other negative things to continue to happen to us. And by the way, this is a law in physics. There is a law in physics called constructive interference. It says that if two frequencies of equal wavelength meet, the size of the frequency doubles. And so what this means is if motion which, um, and mood um, are frequency, which they are, then when it meets other similar frequencies, they amplify. This is why you can get energy from conversation. You can actually get energy from other people. They can also take energy from you, right? right? There's a similar law in physics. You're welcome to look it up. It says it's called destructive interference. It says if two frequencies of opposite wavelength meet, the frequency cancels, right? And this is how people can steal energy from you. Mm. You know, we call this intuition. There's no such thing as intuition. It's a sensitivity to frequency, mm. right? The term we use is intuition, but like, um, my, my wife is super good at this and, and, and women generally are, are women be better, better at, yeah. they're more sensitive to frequency. frequency. Um, because you know, women were meant to bear children. So they're actually a lot more sensitive to frequency. And if you ask, you know, um, you know, most couples, uh, you know, the guy will be like, dude, every time my wife tells me somebody's going to stab me in the back, freaking stab me in the back, man, you know, like, <laughs> right. and, and, you know, but, but, but men, we, we actually learn to guard and not listen to our emotions so much. You know, women are a lot more intuitive, meaning sensitive to frequency, and they're more likely to listen to that frequency. So they'll meet somebody and be like, you know what, there's something... I can't put a finger on it, but there's something off about that dude. Something's just not adding up. Yeah. Kind of an arm's length distance. Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. Something's yes. just yeah. not adding up. And even though you can't be like specific, oh, his eyes are too wide, you know, his <laughs> shoes didn't match. You know, it's like, it, it, <laughs> right. it's, it's not something specific. You're like, there was a frequency that you interpreted and you realized it was very inauthentic. Right. You know, there's some really interesting studies. Um, one is called the Spain scale of emotion, the scale of positive and negative emotion. And it, um, it looks at the ranking, the power of different emotional states to influence the environment around them. And, and by far the most 
powerful frequency to leave a human being's body is the frequency of authenticity. Mm. And authenticity occurs when somebody's words are truthful and they believe what they're saying. Mm. So, you know, this gives us some insight into why, um, you know, let's say someone's talking to, to you or talking to a woman and, and they and they try to use like tonality and inflection and all to, to make something seem believable. Right. But number one, they don't believe it and their words are not truthful. And you pick up on you that. You pick up that vibe. You pick up that vibe, right? That vibe is that frequency. So, um, you know, I'm a huge believer. I'm, first of all, I love Joe Dispenza and, and Dr. Bruce Lifton's work and, and because they're putting real science behind the power of the mind, the, tr the power that this has over this. You know, right. The Bible says, so a man thinketh he shall become, right? Mm, and yes. and this, this means the, the image in which you see yourself is what you become. Right. There's an interesting story about Oprah Winfrey when she um, lost weight for the first time. And she had been struggling with her weight for decades. And she actually met a philosopher named Gary Zukoff. He wrote a book uh, called Seed of the Soul. He wrote another book called mm -hmm. Soul Stories. Mm -hmm. And she credits this philosopher with being able to make her lose weight. And I remember watching Gary speak one time and they were like, what did you do to Oprah to get her to lose weight? And he said... I had her stop seeing herself as a fat person. Wow. And just proving that, you know, so man thinketh he shall become, you know, smokers see themselves as smokers and they, um, you know, fat people sometimes see themselves as fat people. It's like we actually become the image of what we think about all day long. Right. We can actually think ourselves into success. We can actually think ourselves into trauma. We can right. think ourselves into or out of sickness. Right. So this is really interesting because... Um, like I was saying, like the divine intervention of, of, of manifesting you here today and actually meeting Emily recently and things that just keep happening that like there's no explanation for them. And as I got to know her, I've, I've, I found out that she's going through some health issues mm. Um uh, she's she's joining the fitness junkies family, and um, she clearly very fit. So yes. congratulations! Thank you. Yeah. Yes, looks Gary. like you adjust your attitude in the gym a lot. <laughs> that's, my, that's my adjustment area. I go there and fix myself. So, but she's grown up on our sick care industry, mm -hmm. um, and has recently red pilled out of the matrix. And has decided to take her control of her own health. Amen. And I'm hoping that she's willing to share a little bit about the things that she's going through now. And uh, maybe you could give her some feedback. Love to. Yeah, most definitely. Um, so when I had met uh, Gio mm -hmm. for the first time, you know, I was kind of like two weeks into this self-imposed 30 days, no alcohol, like mm -hmm. not a drop. Um, I had been trying to research my way out of um, some health issues, mm -hmm. um, started seeing your podcast, started watching your information you're putting out there, started, awesome. I was about, I want to say two weeks in, I was doing um, infrared saunas, uh, four days a week for about two weeks, now it's been three weeks or more. Um, so basically what was happening is um, for the past 10 or 11 years, I'd been being seen um, at a hematologist at a cancer center, I do not have cancer. I'll just preface Good. with that. Um, and it's basically 
you know, they can't, they keep going back to it. It's an autoimmune issue. It's, um, so basically what happens is my red blood cells run low. Mm -hmm. My white blood cells run low. Hemoglobin's low. Iron Mm -hmm. is tanked. Ferritin's non-existent. Um, so they started putting me through these, um, iron infusions, Mm. um, for 11 years, for 11 years, Wow. you know, and it's, it's kind of one of those things that I think one of the blessings that came out of this COVID crisis, bullshit, whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. um, was, you know, you can't just, you know, I grew up in a time where, you, you know, you go to the doctor, the doctor's the smartest guy in the room, right? whatever the doctor gives you or says to you, that's, that's Bible, that's law, that's right. what you do, that's the protocol, Yeah. you know, and for so many years, I just thought, oh, this is, this is my life, like, it's, it's okay, um, and finally, I got to the point, I'm like, you don't forget this, like, I am, I'm just living, I'm just existing, Yeah. Um, I want to be thriving, I want to be, I want to be feeling great, yeah. I want to wake up great every day, I want to be helping people and serving others and doing all these things. So I said, you know, forget this. I'm going every week for six weeks to the cancer center to get these iron treatments. Mm-hmm. Like that much iron going into your body. Synthetic when you're, iron. Synthetic right? iron. Yep. You know, where, where is this product coming from for one? Right. 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 Where's this being manufactured? And did where's it help or did it just kind of maintain things? It, it was a bandaid. Yeah. You know? And so I said, well, that's, you know, it's, that's better than nothing. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I said, better than nothing. Yeah. You know, this is America. We've got some of the smartest people in the world here. What are we doing? Why am I, you know, and I started to learn through COVID, like you need to be your own advocate. You know, nobody's going to be your own health advocate. Yeah, I call it citizen scientist. I agree. You know, so I said, forget this. I'm taking matters into my own hands. I'm going to start reading and listening and learning and, you know, doing kind of my own protocol to see what helps because I, I just don't think that by going through all these treatments and it's, it's putting a bandaid on it, right? Like where's, where's the solution? You know, I started talking to Gio and he's, I call him, I call him Brecca bombs. I'm like, you know, this guy's, this guy's blowing me up. Yeah. You know, my phone's getting blown up. I'm getting Brecca bombed every, yeah. every morning. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I can't keep up. It's like, yeah. the, you know, chocolate's coming off the conveyor. I'm like, I can't keep up. You know, so I'm, I'm trying to watch my Brecca bombs. A Willy Wonka, the chocolate's yeah. coming off the I'm conveyor. Like, I'm like, I'm eating them. I'm trying, you know, I'm trying yeah. my best. Um, but so that's, you know, that's kind of where I'm at. And that's, you know, back to Gio's point, um, about the divine intervention or just kind of people yeah. being placed in your path, you know, and, and going back to what you're saying about your mindset, mm-hmm. you know, I, I could sit there and be like, oh, I'm too sick. I'm too sick to work out. I can't go do that. No, like I'm going to beat this. I'm going to get better. I'm going to start yeah. thriving. I want my life to be excellent. Yeah. It's like the, uh, the David Goggins method, with it, which I actually use, you know, a lot. It's like you can solve just about anything with massive action, mm. you know? So sometimes, you know, we have a little place in uh, Picking, Colorado, and we sp- spend a lot of the summer up there. And sometimes, because it's 10,500 feet, when you wake up, you're not like, woo, <laughs> you're kind of, you know, it's a little slow to get out of bed right. and, um, and it's chilly outside. And I'm like, man, do I really want to do that walk? Um, and you know, he says, you know, while you're going through that debate, put your shoes on. And while you're continuing that debate, walk out the door and like, <laughs> stay in and, motion. Yeah. And then I realized that like, I'm a few hundred yards into my walk and I'm still debating about whether or not I really want to do this. And I'm right. like, I'm kind of already into the right. action. I do the same thing with the cold plunge, right. you know, I did shirt off, shoes off, I get in the cold plunge and I start debating with myself whether I'm going to get in the cold plunge while I'm in there. So it's, it really does help. But you know, what's really interesting about human physiology. And I think that there's, um, you know, uh, a paucity of, of understanding of, of basic human physiology of very often in the medical community, because we spend a lot of time studying chemicals and synthetics and pharmaceuticals. But, um, I, I don't know exactly what's going on with your condition, but my thought process would be something like, like this. Um, 
and and you know for the record i'm not a physician so i'm not licensed to practice sure. medicine but um but being a human biologist i say well you know if 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 red blood cell counts and hemoglobin and these other blood volumes are low um then we have to think about well where are they manufactured right where, where's the factory that makes this stuff well it's the bone marrow um, and if we go to the bone marrow and that's the factory and we say, okay, well, what, um, um, what actually causes the bone marrow to produce these things? So for example, the bone marrow has a boss, right? So for the production of red blood cells and hemoglobin, it's, it's, um, the hormone testosterone, believe it or not. And so, um, the primary role of testosterone in men and women is not male characteristics. It's not deep voice, facial hair, aggression, muscles. It's none of those things. The primary role of testosterone is to put pressure on the bone marrow to make new red blood cells. It's called erythropoiesis, right? Production right. of new red blood cells. Wow. This, is, this is why when you take, uh, when you do hormone therapy, like men do testosterone injections, we have to donate blood right? Um, because our hematocrit, our blood viscosity gets thick because the bone marrow starts to produce more red blood cells. So if we start to think of, of the human body as a tree, right? Um, because I remember when I was in grad school, I, I, I used to take all these plant botany courses, which I just hated, but I had to take them. And the one thing about a good arborist or good botanist is it doesn't matter what's wrong with the tree, right? Let's say you've got some leaves rotting in the top of the tree. If you call a botanist or an arborist over, he's gonna look at the rot in those leaves, and the first thing he's gonna do, he's gonna cortex the soil. He's gonna go, you know what? There's no nitrogen in the soil. And he's gonna add nitrogen to the soil, and it's gonna fix the leaf. So if we started to think about human beings like this, and we started thinking, well, there's this problem in the leaf, red blood cell and hemoglobin, and if the red blood cell and hemoglobin are low, I'm gonna start working my way down the trunk, right? Why would red blood cell and hemoglobin be low? Well, the bone marrow is probably not producing enough. And I go to the bone marrow and I go, well, what tells the bone marrow to produce these things? The hormone testosterone. So I move down and I go, how's the level of testosterone? And then if the level of testosterone is low, I go, well, how do we make testosterone? Well, we make testosterone from something called DHEA, dihydroepiandrosterone. So if DHEA is low, um, then my testosterone is going to be low, which means that my bone marrow's production of red blood cells is going to be low. Well, what's DHEA come from? What comes from vitamin D3? So now I'm deep down in the root, and I would start there and say, let's raise the level of vitamin D3 into the optimal range. Let's raise the level of DHEA into the optimal range and make sure that the body has the raw material it needs to do its job. Mm. Because very often you'll find people that are hormone deficient are actually just nutrient deficient. If I was somehow magically able to go into your body and deplete your DHEA and your D3 down to clinically low levels, your hormones would follow. And there's nothing wrong with your hormones. Right, and that's why seventy percent of the clients that I see that are on um, that that qualify for hormone therapy are not on hormones. They're on the supplements for the body to create hormones, right? And so, you know, interestingly, you know, these you know autoimmune conditions. Nearly every autoimmune condition that I've ever researched actually has the same derivation. It is a progressive weakening of the immune system. The immune system gets weak, it gets dysfunctional. It's not that it's dysfunctional, right? It's that it's weakened. And very often, and we don't understand the etiology of these conditions in the body. Like, for example, you know, um, people have Crohn's disease. They say, well, the immune system is attacking the gut, right? It's attacking the, 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 the gut in, in Crohn's. But actually, the immune system is not actually attacking the gut. It's actually doing its job. What it's doing, it's attacking bacteria that are leaving the gut 
and trying to enter the bloodstream. Those bacteria shouldn't be there. The immune system knows it. It happens to start the fight in the, art, in the wall of the gut and it causes inflammation. And so the question is not why is the immune system attacking that bacteria? Why is that bacteria there? Oh, because I have leaky gut. So if I fixed my leaky gut, then the immune system wouldn't have any reason to attack the lining of my intestine and therefore I wouldn't have the autoimmune disease Crohn's. This isn't my immune system losing its way and just randomly just beating people up in the street. <laughs> it's that, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually doing its protective role and saying, hey, listen, bacteria, you shouldn't be in the luminal wall of the gut. You should be inside of the gut. And if you're going to be here, I'm going to fight you. And, and as a consequence, I'm going to tear up a bunch of healthy tissue and cause a lot of inflammation and create this problem. Hey, fitness junkies. This is George Majorano with American Medical Wellness. We are experienced in male and female hormone optimization peptide therapy, stem cell therapy, and IV therapy. If you're looking to improve your health and wellness, please give us a call, 702-347-7000, or visit our website, AmericanMedicalWellness.com. Hi, fitness junkies. It's Dr. Leslie again. I'm coming to you from the Sticky Paws studio where I film my podcast. I wanted to bring you an opportunity that is out of this world. I have launched my Living Your Mastery Total Transformation program where I create the life that you've always wanted authentically. Yes, everything that you want and desire you can have and I have the program for you. I've partnered with MD Spa by Trim Care to help facilitate the physical transformation aspect of my program. We offer everything from aesthetics, regenerative medicine, primary care, weight loss, really everything. You name it, we've got it. You can contact them at 702-718-7888 and just let them know that Fitness Junkies sent you. Um, and so, you know, I, 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 I love human physiology for this reason because rarely does anything go wrong in the human body that we don't have a logical explanation for. We just may not know it at the time, mm. right? Um, I feel like I just went down a really long road, but... <laughs> no, it's, it's good. Um, Do you have good. any questions? No, it's good. It's, it's just amazing to me how you just, you break it down and deep dive it further and further to get to the root, to get to the, to get to the cause, yeah. right? Where I've been going around this, this never ending merry-go-round of, oh, mm -hmm. let's, let's test again in three months. Oh, you got to go six weeks for treatment every week. And it's, there's, there's never been any real like, Hey, let's get to the, let's get to the bottom of this. Right. And finally yeah. I said, Hey guys, I'm, I'm tapped out. Yeah. I'm going to go do my own program. I'm going to start doing my own research, my own knowledge. Like I, I've got to learn, I've got to educate myself. Um, you know, but it's, it, again, I think it just goes back to your mindset, right? Like yeah. you, you can sit there and lay down or you can say, Hey, listen, like I'm going to live life. I'm going to thrive. I'm going to get to the bottom of this, which is exactly what you do. And I'm, it's just so fascinating, um, that how, of how you go down and deep dive to the root cause. Thank you. It's just fascinating. Well, you know, I'm just, I'm so fascinated by the human body. Cause I feel like I could spend the rest of my life in the deep integrative study of human beings and never even scratch the surface. You right. know, I read incessantly, like I read for sport. My, even my wife is like, are you reading a physics journal? Like, yeah, as a matter of fact, it's like, you know, are you reading the, you know, Journal of American Biology again? Because it's just so fascinating that, uh, you know, um, that there's, there really is nothing that's unexplained in the body. I just feel that we might not know yet. Right. And if we would get, you know, when we talk about treating root cause and not treating disease, um, you know, we actually use disease and pathology and labels of ways of identifying what's wrong. 
right? And so if we realize that most mood disorders, ADD, ADHD, OCD, manic depression, bipolar, these are not just all these pathologies and diseases going wrong in human beings. These are deficiencies in raw materials where we don't manufacture the right neurotransmitters so we don't manufacture the right mood. So let's just keep going from the mental issue to the raw material, the neurotransmitter, to what they're made from, the amino acid, to the factory where they're built, the gut. And 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 this is why now you see a lot of gut-brain connection like you were yes. just talking about. Yes. If you know, 90% of our neurotransmitters are in the gut. If you don't have them here, you can't have them here. Right. And and so if we actually start to, you know, understand how gut flora and gut motility actually relate to human emotion, because, you know, these neurotransmitters travel up something called the vagus nerve. That's like the highway that goes from the gut into the brain and they create mood. Um, you know, as I start to deplete them here, then my emotional state depletes here. And we start looking at the outside world and saying, why am I depressed? Why am I anxious? Why do I have anxiety? Why would I have the, all these fear-based responses? The truth is we used a cluster of symptoms to diagnose uh, Abraham Lincoln with depression 150 years ago. Right. We use a cluster of symptoms to diagnose depression today. Nothing is more nonsensical to me in the world than a physician saying, I'm going to take the patient's interpretation of their surroundings, and based on how the patient interprets their surrounding, I'm going to diagnose them with a debilitating mental disease, and then I'm going to put neuroplasticity-altering chemicals in their brain to fix it. Like, what? <laughs> You mean I have a 30-year broken relationship with my mom, and if I take this, it's going to fix it? I, just pop, I pop this, everything's going to be great? Wow. Um, it just never you know, really made any sense to me. So um, as I'm pulling back the layers of this mm -hmm. young lady, I've, I've discovered that she's also had, let's call them gut issues, mm -hmm. since she can remember back when she was a little kid. And if I can share, oh yeah, go for it. Uh, she has ADHD. Yeah, oh, this is all related. And your program with your your five genes that cause all illness can detect where this is where she might be broken or no question. I mean, <clears throat> um, the majority of people that have gut issues also have anxiety, right? Okay. So why would why would gas, bloating, diarrhea, constipation, irritability, cramping. Nobody wants to talk about that. I'm throwing it out there. Yes, I said diarrhea, constipation, <laughs> irritability, cramping. Why would these things be related to mood? Because the same neurotransmitter, serotonin, that is involved in the motility of the gut is also involved in the emotional state, right? Serotonin leaves the gut, goes up to the brain, and it helps to elevate emotional states. Well, where does serotonin come from? It comes from the amino acid tryptophan. We actually take an amino acid called tryptophan and we methylate it into the neurotransmitter serotonin. So if we just take a little bit of a step back first and we understand the physiology of the gut, right? Remember that um, uh, Henry Ford, uh, he wasn't actually made famous for the automobile. Do you know, do you yeah. know what he was really famous for? The, the production line. The assembly line. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So yeah. he actually invented the assembly line. Yeah. And so the assembly line, what, what happened was, you know, there'd be a long conveyor belt and you'd put a part 
on one end. And as it moved down the um, conveyor belt, like every few feet, somebody would stand and tinker with the part so that by the time it got to the end of the assembly line, it was fully assembled. In this case, it was a motor, right? Someone would add this piece and that piece and this piece and that piece. And at the end of the assembly line was a fully assembled motor. This is exactly how the human intestinal tract works, right? Contents exit the stomach in a very acidic environment. As they traverse the small intestine in the colon, they exit in a very alkaline, basic environment. But this sequence of events is important. So imagine what would happen one day if Henry Ford walked into his, you know, production facility and doubled the speed of the conveyor belt. The entire line would break down. There's nothing wrong with the conveyor belt. There's nothing wrong with the people working there. There's nothing wrong with the part that's on the conveyor belt. But nothing would work. This is exactly what happens in human physiology. You change the speed of the gut, you change the motility of the conveyor belt, you change the motility of the intestinal tract, and everything breaks down. You get gas, bloating, diarrhea, constipation, irritability, cramping, and we're like, well, let's check the part. What am I eating? That's nothing to do with that. Let's check the gut flora, the bacteria, acidophilus, lactobacillus, you know, lactobacilli, um, um, acidophilus, and all these different bacteria. And you're like, well, there's nothing wrong with the bacteria. Nothing wrong with the people working there. Well, let's do an endoscopy, right? Or a colonoscopy. Yep, they, they sent me down that path. Yeah. So now you've looked, yep. looked at, you looked at the conveyor belt. Conveyor belt's working. Part's working fine. Everybody showed up for work. And we go, we, now you have... Uh, Crohn's disease, or even worse, you have irritable bowel syndrome, which is a nonsensical way of saying, I just took all the symptoms you had and gave it one definition, <laughs> right? Right. right. Um, so the nobody checked the speed of the conveyor belt. Nobody checked to see, was this moving at the right pace? What if he walked in one day and reversed the speed of the conveyor belt? Same thing, the whole line would break down. Because sequence is important. If I take it and I tinker with it, I pass it to you. You tinker with it and you pass it to her. I cannot go like this, right? right. This is very important. And right. this is what happens in the human intestinal tract. So now we understand that very often what's going wrong with the human, in, in, you know, with the gut is not the contents of the gut or the flora of the gut or food sensitivities or allergies. It's actually the speed of the gut. And so the speed of the gut is controlled by two um, genes, mainly by two genes. One is called MTHFR. One is called MTRR. I have never seen a genetic test where someone had those two deficiencies or one called MTR and they did not have severe gut issues. Now, these are easy to fix because all this is is a deficiency in the raw material that the gut needs to do its job, its peristaltic activity. The same people will also have high propensity to gastroesophageal reflux disease, to acid reflux, right? And they think it's an overproduction of acid, so they start taking antacids, which is the worst thing you can do. But, um, and this is actually the same as the motility of the gut. It's the sphincter muscle at the top of the stomach that closes the stomach off from the esophagus so that when contents travel down the esophagus, it opens, lets them in. Well, if this, if you have a gene mutation that doesn't allow this to close, it relaxes and acid splashes out of the stomach into the esophagus. Then what happens is we take PP, um, PPIs, pro proton pump inhibitors, um, or antacids, and we change the pH of the stomach because we think it's an overproduction of acid. And then what happens is now alkaline contents are leaving the stomach. Well, what's waiting on the outside of the stomach? Acidic bacteria. Now you are handling them alkaline contents. They don't know what to do. 
function perverts gas bloating diarrhea constipation irritability cramping and you think it's what you just ate but it's because you you know you you've changed this physiology very often you know when patients will tell me gary i'm allergic to uh you know wheat soy corn dairy blueberries bananas and and uh gluten okay slow down slow down um is there ever a time that you can eat any of those things and not have a reaction they're like yeah once in a while i eat gluten and i'm okay okay you're not allergic to gluten right because allergies are not transient right they're consistent if you're allergic to bee stings every time a bee stings you you have a reaction right right if you're allergic to shellfish you can't sometimes eat it and sometimes not you can never eat shellfish so if we just go back to human physiology and we say is there something missing methylfolate b complex of vitamins zinc magnesium that could actually cause this intestine not to be able to move at the right speed then put that raw material in the body watch what happens it seems like allergies just disappear because you didn't have allergies hmm. you had an issue with the pace of the gut does that make sense yeah yeah um interesting does this like make sense to you it does and it's it's interesting how you um you know basically people take like oh i'll take some pepto-bismol or i'll take some antacids and it's really mm -hmm. exasperating the problem it's making it worse it's right. just you know so yeah just again the way you break things down and get to the core you know issue and the root of it is just it's astounding um, thank you so talk more about your your test and how she or other people watching can start to maybe uncover some of the 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 deficiencies that they have or the breaks in the genetics yeah so um you know you know one of the things you probably heard me say is you know we rarely pass disease from generation to generation there are some diseases that are genetically inherited there are some um genes that predispose you to other diseases the BRCA gene for example is a predisposition to breast cancer so you didn't inherit breast cancer um, so there are genes that predispose you to hypertension, predispose you to thyroid issues, predispose you to gut issues. Um, but the reason why it's a predisposition is because your genetics kind of load the gun, right? But your lifestyle pulls the trigger. And by that, I mean that we are not the destiny of our genes, right? The genes give us a roadmap on how we need to supplement so that we can avoid that destiny. Mm. And, you know, there's... If you pulled your entire genetic code, you get a lot of, you know, useless information. I could see that you have dark skin, you have detached earlobes, you know, you have dark eyes, but th there's nothing you can do with that information. The information that's actionable is, are called genes of methylation. What I want to see is what can your body convert into the usable form and what can it not so that I can give your body that raw material that it cannot make on its own, right? And none of us has a perfect genetic profile. And, and the nice thing about this is, you know, it's a test you do once in your lifetime. You'll never repeat the test. And once you've done the test, you'll never guess again on what you need to supplement with in order to not be deficient. Um, you, know, you can do my test at, at 10x, the number 10 letter x, healthtest.com, 10xhealthtest.com. We'll just send it right to your front door. But we're not the only ones that do this kind of testing. There's a lot of great genetic testing out there. The one thing I would caution you about is that um, sometimes you can get paralysis of analysis. Mm. Like, if, you know, if I start pulling, you know, there's there are companies that pull hundreds of genes and give you a lot of non-actionable information. This will drive you crazy. Right. Because 
I mean, look, if I can make a change based on the information, give it to me. If it's just something that's going to freak me out, right. <laughs> just, I'd rather just not know. If there's nothing I can do, right. don't tell me, right? right. <laughs> um, and so, you know, you look at actionable genes. Got it. Got yeah. it. So this is very interesting. So um, when you do these tests, you can then figure out which things we're deficient in and then supplement those basically get us back to the levels that yeah i mean and, and it's not just supplementing but you can also know what to avoid so for example if you have the most common gene mutation in the world mthfr i won't tell you what the nickname is for that gene i think you know <laughs> the motherfucker gene <laughs> um so the mthfr gene mutation um remember 44 percent of the population has this it means that 44 percent of children have this Right. And we wonder sometimes, why is it a full contact sport to try to get my kid in the car to go to school in the morning? And it's because, well, if you look at the fact their body can't process folic acid. So folic acid can be like cocaine for a six-year-old. It can make their mind race. Right. And so little Johnny and Susie are getting ready in the morning. And then you give them foods that are very high in folic acid. What has folic acid? Anything that's fortified or enriched. So white flour, white rice, white bread, white pasta. Cereal. Cereals and grains of all kinds. So what's the standard American diet? A little white bagel and a bowl of cereal. Johnny's getting ready to go to school and all of a sudden he starts going nuts. Um, <laughs> and, and then, you know, and that's when the calls come home from, you know, the school saying, hey, we need to bring the Ritalin in here because he can't pay attention. He's not focused. He doesn't follow directions. He's disruptive. Truth is their mind's racing. You pull folic acid. If you're a parent and you're listening to this podcast right now, you will not hurt your child. If you want to do an astounding experiment on a child that has ADD, ADHD, OCD, or impulse control disorder, or has problems with attention or following directions, or is very fidgety, pull folic acid, get um, fortified or enriched foods out of their diet completely for one week, and tell me you do not have an entirely different human being in that house. Wow. One right. week. One week. You will see an entirely different human being. Wow, wow, wow. Because we're just not meant to. You'll never convince me that a, that a chemical that we synthesize in a laboratory that doesn't occur anywhere naturally in nature is somehow, you know, required to reach a state of optimal health. I mean, do you believe that? I mean, that, that we didn't, by the way, discover until 1993. We didn't start synthesizing this in a laboratory until 1993. How can this be required for optimal human function if it doesn't even exist naturally in nature right mm -hmm. so um and and there's so many of these things you know i was just talking about cyanocobalamin the cyanide based version of b12 um another thing that we should get out of our life but you know when, when we talk about our food supply and people are like well god gary what kind of diet should i put my kid on or should i be on should be on a whole food diet i mean look at keto paleo you know atkins uh, uh, carnivore, vegan, vegetarian, whole food, I mean, raw food. What matters most is that you are eating whole, real foods. That's the first thing that matters. Um, and then, you know, the types of foods that you're eating. But, you know, some of the sickest patients are, are you know, clients I've ever had have been raw food vegans. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest raw food vegans in the, in the world, influencers in the world, just actually passed away from malnutrition. Um, <laughs> And, um, and she refused to give the diet up until you know, the, the yeah. day that she passed. Right. And, um, 
Um, but you can be very sick on carnivore. You can be very sick on keto if you eat dirty keto and you're full of seed oils. If you eat carnivore and you actually don't eat grass-fed meats and pasture-raised chickens and 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 free-range eggs, um, and you actually you know incorporate seed oils into your diet. So m- remember that the secret to like longevity is just getting back to the basics, right? Give the body the raw material it needs to do its job, and get get out of its way. Get out of the way, <laughs> exactly. I want to switch gears a little bit here um, and talk about, um, you know, we're moving back into uh, COVID nightmare again. And I want to talk a little bit about all the um, heart issues that have caused from the vaccination. And does your program help people with that kind of thing or... Um, you know, myocarditis or all the things that are going on with yeah, that. Yeah, myocarditis, pericarditis, yeah. Um, yeah, trigeminal neuralgias, transverse myelitis. There's so many co- complications. And right. So we're probably going to lose half the audience right now. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, if you want to go there, you know, I'll go there because, um, you know, when, when, first of all, when we talk about an mRNA vaccine, messenger RNA vaccine, what is different about that vaccine from other vaccines? You know, what we call attenuated viruses. Well, if you look at how a cell is organized, right? So inside of a cell is the nucleus. And in the nucleus, that's where the DNA is, okay? The DNA is the boss, okay? That's the head honcho, that's the CEO, okay? Um, The DNA is running the entire show, okay? So just like a corporation, the CEO is dictating what goes on inside that cell. So DNA has two roles. One role is to create an exact copy of itself. It's called DNA replication. It creates, through mitosis, it creates an exact copy of itself. And the other role is to send messages into the cell to tell all the minions what to do. You make this protein, you throw that nutrient out, you bring this nutrient in. You know, DNA is running the show, okay? Those messages that leave the nucleus of the cell and go out into the cytoplasm and give the cell a direction, those are called mRNA messenger RNA. So what they did when they created the vaccine was they created a synthetic version of that. They created a synthetic mRNA. So what does this mean? It's like going into the CEO's office and stealing his notepad or going to a doctor's office and stealing their script pad. Now I'm an imposter. I'm not the doctor. I'm writing scripts with this doctor's name on it. Or I am sending messages as if I'm the DNA. I'm not the DNA. I'm a synthetic imposter. Only the difference is when the DNA sends a message into the cell, mRNA, that message degrades after a period of time. It actually dissolves. So the DNA sends a message, hey, go make this spike protein. You go and make it. When you get back to your desk, there's no message there. When you put synthetic mRNA into the body, it duplicates that message from the DNA and it says, hey, make this spike protein. When you get back to your desk, it says, make this spike protein. You go and make it. It comes back to your desk, make the spike protein, make the spike protein, make the spike protein. It never shuts off. It -hmm. never degrades. So what happens is this spike protein starts to rise as it gets into the bloodstream and actually embeds itself in the arterial wall. And it causes diffuse inflammation, which is called dystonia vasculitis or diffuse vasculitis. It causes a uniform vascular inflammation throughout the lining of the blood vessel. Now think about the fact that we say the skin is the largest organ in the body. Okay, your skin could cover the surface area of about half a tennis court. The surface area of the lining of your bloods would cover six tennis courts. Wow. 
Wow. Right? You have 63,000 miles of blood vessel in your body. So imagine when you start to get inflammation in the lining of the blood vessel of the body, right? And I actually had a debate with a cardiologist about this the other day. He's like, well, if this is causing this diffuse inflammation, then why can't I see it on imaging? I go, well, can you see, an, can you see a sunburn on imaging? I don't think we would, de we would debate whether or not the skin's damaged if it was badly sunburned, but if I did an MRI or an X-ray or a CAT scan, I wouldn't be able to see that sunburn. This inflammation is uniform, right? It's not like a plaque where I have a uniform artery and then there's an area where it's clogged, so it right. jumps out on an image. This right. is uniform, diffuse inflammation, dystonia vasculitis. So now what's happening is you're interrupting the transmission of nutrients in the blood, leaving the blood and entering the tissue, and the junk from the tissue, leaving the tissue and entering the blood. This is why you get such a strange myriad of symptoms, brain fog, weight gain, water retention, fatigue, numbness, crushing fatigue, muscle aches, neurological pain, confusion, days where you feel normal, days where you actually feel um, just completely overwhelmed, mood numbness, mood disorders, and then eventually in the very active areas of the body, myocarditis, pericarditis, things like trigeminal neuralgias, transverse myelitis, inflammation in the, you know, the, the, the spinal column. And um, that's why these, these myriads of symptoms are so diverse. Right, so vast is like, yeah. Everything. <laughs> yeah. And that's why things like, you know, resveratrol and bromelain, um, you know, are, are peptides like thymosin uh, alpha or thymulin can really be effective at helping not only get that spike protein out of the arterial wall, but, you know, reducing the inflammation. Now, does your <clears throat> program or, or the gene biopsy that you do or the blood work that you mm -hmm. do, uh, do you kind of have a, a solution that your program does? Or well, the, you know, the genes, uh, the genes won't tell you whether or not you have, you know, this vasculitis or, you know, this inflammation or right. not. This is your genes you were born with. So, okay. you know, it can't even see if you're vaccinated or you're not vaccinated. Okay. Um, and I'm not telling you, you know, make whatever choice that you want. I mean, I know where I stand on these things, but um, uh, the point is that, you know, when we look at your, your genes, I'm looking at what the body can convert into the usable form and what it can't. So regardless of your vaccination status, it's a good idea to get a gene test done because it bolsters the immune system and it actually gives your body the raw materials it needs to do lots of other things. Right. Um, and when I say eliminate waste, I don't mean stool and urine, I mean cellular waste, right? I mean, the, the process of cellular metabolism is a really dirty process, right? I mean, cells eliminate waste, they have to repair, they detoxify, they regenerate. Um, and so if, you know, very often when we think about supplementation, for example, we think about what does this supplement do when I put it in the body? Um, not how do I get rid of the exhaust, right? Even the cleanest engines create exhaust. And if you don't get the exhaust out of the engine, it will back up and blow the engine. So there are pathways called detoxification pathways glutathione and other things that you need to know if these are working properly because if they're not, they're, it's very easy to supplement with things like glutathione, the number one antioxidant in the human body, that can actually help your body start to eliminate waste and detoxify and repair and regenerate, um, you know, just by giving the body the raw material it needs. Wow. It's so interesting. <laughs> my, I, I, my, my, my wife is always like, did you eat people's face? You know, they ask you one question, you're like way down the rabbit hole. So if I start going down the rabbit hole, I'm like grab your eyes are rolling back here and you know, in your head, just, just, just grab me. Um, 
one more question. We 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 don't want to keep you all day here yeah. at Sticky Paw Studios in Las Sticky Vegas. Sticky Paw Studios in Las Vegas. Um, <laughs> on that little clip we ran, you did. They did a teaser, and you said the one thing that to do that you need to do to burn or lose fat and then it cut off what was that Um, so what i said was there is nothing uh, that will strip fat off of a human being's body faster uh, than getting in cold water cold water yes because you know you know cold cold plunging is um you know, the rage right now for great reasons, you know, I mean, you, you know, water is 29 times more thermogenic than air, which means it removes heat from the body at 29 times the rate of air. So, you know, you can die in 72 degree water, you cannot die in 72 degree air, right? You can't get hypothermia and die in 72 degree air. But um, so when water pulls um, heat out of the body at 29 times the rate, there's a whole myriad of things that happen that are beneficial. First of all, you get a peripheral vasoconstriction, right? So it takes all that oxygen, drives it to the core, liver, lungs, pancreas, kidneys, up to the brain. The second thing that happens is it activates a thermostat in your body called brown fat, right? So like if I get in cold water and then I get out, how does my body return to normal body temperature? Because the air is 72. How do I go back to 98.6, right? You go back to 98.6 because brown fat is activated and it begins to turn the metabolism on. And then the other thing that it does is it releases something called a cold shock protein, which is a protein, a reserve protein found in your liver. These are super beneficial. If you want to blow your mind sometime, just read about cold shock proteins. They can reduce free radical oxidation in the blood. They can even increase the rate of protein synthesis, muscle repair. But where I ensnare for some reason seems to be women, um, most of the women, is that you know, when you talk about the definition of a calorie, Okay, you know what a calorie is? It's actually a measure of heat, right? It's, it's roughly the amount of heat that it takes to raise one cubic centimeter of water, one degree centigrade. So if a calorie is a measure of heat, then when heat is leaving our body, what do you think is leaving our body? Calories, right? It elevates and improves your metabolism. So if you kept everything else stable, your caloric intake stable, and all you did was add cold water, you would significantly increase your metabolism and reduce the amount of fat that you had because fat, cold will burn fat. Now, you, I know you've talked about if you don't have the resources, have a cold plunge, cold showers even do Take that? Take a cold shower. Yeah, no wow. question. Just some amount of shock. You know, the majority of the reason why people won't do it is because they just don't want to be uncomfortable, right? That's why I say aging is the aggressive pursuit of comfort. Um, you know, we, the more aggressively we pursue comfort, the faster we age. Right. Right. She adjusted her attitude by going to the gym. Right. Right. Most people don't want to go because the gym's not comfortable. Right. So most people are not going to be in a bad mood and say, you know what, I'm going to adjust my attitude by actually going and challenging myself. Well, that's by the way, a great idea. Right. Right. And you got stronger as a result. Um, not just, you know, physically, but also mentally. Right. And, and now you are actually more equipped to handle other emotional assaults. You are less sensitive, right? right? You're, you're also less weak, right? So, um, you know, I say aging is the aggressive pursuit of comfort because, you know, we don't want to take cold showers because they're not comfortable, right. even though they have a benefit. We don't like the feeling of being a little hungry. I'm a little hungry right now. I'm fine. I feel sharp. I feel alert. I feel awake. Right. Um, you know, if we eat at the first pang of hunger every time, 
we collapse our defense mechanisms. We, if we control our temperature and we actually control our environment and we control the temperature of the water and we actually never are uncomfortable, the body never strengthens. Mm. Right? Mm. So one, one, one part B on this question about fat burning, I recently listened to one of your uh, talks and you were talking about um, uh, fasted cardio, but don't do fasted cardio, take your aminos. And I ordered those aminos that yes. you told me to order. Yes. Those aren't here yet, but <clears throat> explain a little bit um, about the fat burning heart rate and where you're supposed to be and how long should that bout of so, cardio be? So, you know, this isn't really my research, but if you really want to read the research on it, it was done by Tim Ferriss, and there's a book okay. called The Four-Hour Body. He wrote League of Titans. He wrote a bunch of, yeah, yeah, bunch of books. Yeah. He's, a, he's an amazing uh, author, but um, uh, and an and amazing, like, researcher, too. Uh, but um, he, he outlined something called 30-30-30, 30, 30, 30. 30 grams of protein within 30 minutes of waking, followed by 30 minutes of steady-state cardio. And if we look at the, you know, the, the, the research behind this, the physiological research behind this, and we look at how does the body actually um, you know, burn energy, how does the body create energy? There are laws to this, right? The first one says that if you have glucose in the bloodstream, your body will always go to that energy source first. Okay, so let's say that you go to bed fast, you know, you go to bed and you've been fasting all night and you wake up and you have no sugar in your blood, okay, so you have no glucose. So what's the next energy source. Let me interrupt you there. Sorry. Don't you have stored uh, glycogen in your muscles? That's the next energy source. Okay. Yep. Okay. You have glycogen stored in your muscles. Okay. But the, the muscles don't donate it back to the bloodstream. The liver does. So the muscle, the muscle glycogen stays at the muscle level. Okay. And the muscle can use that for energy. So if you don't have glucose, you go to your backup energy source, glycogen, okay. stored in the muscles and the liver. Now, what happens when your glycolic reserve is done? Right? So you're exercising and you're out of glycogen. Where do we get energy? We would love to think that the body goes straight to fatty acid metabolism, but that is not true. It depends on the demand you're placing on the body. The higher the demand, meaning if you are exercising intensely in a fasted state, there is a 100% chance you're burning lean muscle, period. Full stop, end of story. I mean, I, you can just look around at the... Anecdotal evidence of this, you know, like back when I used to um, race triathlons, I was a competitive triathlete for a number of years. All the guys that I raced with, they were all skinny fat, mm. right? They were all beasts. They could lay down a half a marathon. They could do a you know, 100-mile bike. We call them centuries. They could do a two-mile swim. But they did not look healthy in many cases. They were skinny fat. Why? Because they spent more time burning their own lean muscle than they did burning fat. The body is very primal. The body cares about survival. The body does not care how fat or skinny you are, how muscular or pretty you are, your hair, your skin, your nails, cares about survival. And so when, when we try to burn fat, that's the last source that the body wants to give up, right? Because this is its insurance policy against not being able to eat again, right? right? So what we do is, is um, if we bring our heart rate down, if you want to do fasted cardio, you do fasted steady state cardio, not in fasted hits cardio, not fasted intense cardio, and certainly not fasted weight training, right? Because fasted weight training or intense high intensity um, training will in every case burn, burn lean muscle. Now, if you want to negate those effects, you can take a full spectrum amino acid and you will stop your body from burning lean muscle and you don't have to eat, you don't have to consume any calories other than um, straight amino acids, my preference is the perfect aminos, 
Um, I think there's a link to it on my Instagram. And no, it's not even an affiliate link. I have no affiliation with them. <laughs> but um, I, I really don't. So like sometimes I just, I, f I find products and I'm like, man, this is, you know, I look at the research and, and I, and I, and I want to sort of, you know, uplift people that are actually doing the right thing. You know, 99% absorbability. They measure it in the serum. They've done the research on human beings. They deserve the credit. I mean, they should get the business. Right, right. Um, and so um, you could you take a full spectrum of amino acid in the, in, in the morning, and you will not only not burn lean muscle, but your glycolic reserve will fill from fat instead of from sugar or carbohydrate. Wow. That's... So what's the difference then? If, if, let's say you're doing cardio in the afternoon. You've eaten a couple times already in the day. The, how do you get your body to burn fat in that scenario? Increase the intensity. So that's when you can mm -hmm. go for a higher intensity yep. workout. Um, steady state cardio usually is cardiovascular exercise where your heart rate's not above 130, 135 at the high end. Okay. Right? Um, so hits cardio, intense weight training You know, later in the day. In a, in a fed state is actually will give you a greater physiologic response. So it's, so it's better. Most people have to work out in the mornings, um, you know, just because of the, the course of their day. Right. So if you're doing cardio in the mornings in a fasted state, do steady state cardio. If you're actually doing your weight training in the morning, there is absolutely no question that you should either feed yourself or at a minimum get 15 grams of a full spectrum amino acid. Okay. Wow. Question. Yeah. Sure. On the going back to the 30, 30, 30. Mm -hmm. So the 30 grams of protein, um, would that be similar for like a lot of like females? I don't eat that much at one time. Generally. Yeah, you could do 20 grams. So of protein. for the females out there that are listening or watching, um, they would probably want to want to bring that back just a little bit versus yeah. somebody like Gio who's going to, he's full on 30. He's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's a big I boy. do 30 grams of car. I might just want to go back to bed. At that point, yeah. You know? Yeah. Thir 20 grams of protein. Now look, um, most people that don't eat in the mornings, um, have very low blood sugar, right? Because the profile of somebody who doesn't want to eat is somebody whose blood sugar is very low. Remember when our blood sugar is falling, we get very hungry. Once our blood sugar has fallen, you are no longer hungry, right? This is why if you've ever gone to a restaurant, right? And when you get to the restaurant, you're, you're so hungry, you order everything on the menu. Right. And then by the time the food comes out, you're actually not hungry anymore. Past the point. Yeah, like how does that happen? Well, when you got to the restaurant, your blood sugar was falling. By the time the food came out, your blood sugar had fallen. And this is why a lot of people wake up in the morning hypoglycemic, low on blood sugar, and they don't want to eat. And so they end up eating later in the day, late in the morning or early in the afternoon, and their blood sugar skyrockets, right? And this is why they have an afternoon energy slump between two and four in the afternoon. People that have that two to four o'clock in the afternoon energy slump are not eating breakfast in the morning. If you're listening to this, play this back in your, in your head. You know what? I actually do have an energy slump between two and four in the afternoon. And you know what? I actually don't eat in the mornings. If you add 20 grams of protein, Within 30 minutes of waking, that afternoon energy slump will disappear because your metabolism will correct. Mm. Right? Remember, again, we're very primal creatures. Our brains, our pituitaries, our organ systems are trying to save our life. They are not trying to make us fit and conditioned. They are not trying to give us abs, right? So, <laughs> so when your pituitary perceives this low blood sugar environment as starvation, it starts to throttle back your metabolism. So very often, people that have good blood sugar regulation 
should be eating in the morning and not intermittent fasting. Mm. If you want to get the benefits of fasting, fast one day a week, do cyclical fasting, eat your last meal at whatever time on Saturday night and don't eat your next meal again until that time on Sunday night, once a, once a week. That's four days a month. That's 48 days a year. That's six weeks you'll spend not eating. You'll get all the benefits of fasting. Wow. Again, going back to your being uncomfortable, right? One yeah. day, four days a week, you can be uncomfortable. Yeah. There is nobody listening to this podcast right now that could not fast for 24 hours. I promise you. Right. You do not have a condition or an issue or something that would require that you could, you can drink, you know, fluids, but, um, you know, water or black coffee. But there is no one listening to this podcast that couldn't go 24 hours without eating. Promise you, physically, physically, yeah, right. without having you know okay, medical emergency or something. So this has been awesome. I could yeah. talk to you forever, but let's talk a little bit about that T-shirt and what yeah. you, what else you got going on for Gary Brecca. So I'm I'm really excited about this. Um, this is the ultimate human. Um, you know, I dreamed for a long time. I feel like one of my you know superpowers is to take ultra complicated information and kind of distill it down in a way that people can assimilate it and um i love education and i get really inspired by the human body and i i realize that you can educate all the people you want you can inspire all the people you want but if you don't transform their life like if you don't get them to make a change you're really not making an impact so um i i started the ultimate human podcast um it, it launches in october i've got some incredible guests um you know, I interviewed the top PhD in the world on water. I interviewed Dana White, you know, about his journey with me. I'm interviewing a lot of well-known figures about their journey with me, and they're being very open about their blood work and the genetic testing. Oh, wow. Um, you know, because the, the, the idea is to give people information that they can use to make a transformative change. Um, you know, I'm, I'm interviewing the top PhD in the, in, in the world on fasting, Dr. Walter Longo, intermittent mm -hmm. fasting. Uh, you know, the lead surgeon for the UFC. So it's all about all my, my heroes are the MDs and the PhDs and the, and the researchers that are doing, you know, making a real impact people's longevity. So the ultimate human podcast will launch, um, first week of October and it will all be guests from all over the world, um, that are doing research or, um, leading the industry in anti-aging and longevity. And, um, what platforms are going to be on all the platforms? It'll be on all the platforms. Okay. Yeah, 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 you know, I turned down a singular deal to have it just on a, on, on one platform. Um, you know, maybe we'll do that down down the road. But right now, wherever you listen to your podcast, you can just look for the Ultimate Human. Uh, the trailer is out there right now. You know, showing a lot of I filmed about twelve or fourteen episodes. Oh wow! Uh, with household names that people would know, um, people they'll recognize, like you know Dave Grutman and you know some some big celebrities and then just some big icons of mine that people probably haven't heard about that right. are doing real research and right. making a real change in the world. But the whole entire idea of the ultimate human podcast is to give people by the end of that episode, a tangible thing that they could do to make a real change in the trajectory of their life. All right. Um, and, and truthfully, you know, the, the end destination is, you know, I want to create a, you know, a, a marketplace, a destination where people can go under a trusted umbrella and they can get any product or service that has to do with 
anti-aging and longevity? Like, you know, how do what household products should I be cleaning my house with? You know, what water filtration systems should I use? What lotions should I be putting on my skin? What shampoo and conditioners can I use? You know, what are the best toothpaste without fluoride in them? You know, these types of things that, you know, people are concerned about, you know, what mattress should I sleep on? What types of sheets should I use? Right. And so I have an entire team that's, they're not my products, but I am, you know, I've made a lot of manufacturers very upset. You know, I'm inspecting chocolates for heavy metals and things like that before we would actually carry it on right. on the site. And to, and to find a place where we could put all the best of the best from the best manufacturers in the world and just allow people to go to one destination and, and get the best of those. And Angie's kinds. List for good yeah. health For healthy stuff. products, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love it. I love it. That's awesome. Um, Thank you, you for asking. Do you have any questions before we go? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. Okay. Um, thank you so much. I mean, I really this was great. Blessed. Yeah. I mean, I feel blessed to have you guys on here. Definitely. I'm glad that you're on this journey. I'd be happy to talk definitely. to you off camera. For sure. I'm definitely going in on your uh, genetics testing for sure. That's the that's the first stop. So yeah, we should Expect do a follow up to, episode. Uh, definitely. One hundred percent. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> yes. Problem yes. solved. Case mm -hmm. closed. <laughs> Let's awesome. Do it. Awesome. Well, FitFam, that was awesome. Like I said, like, share, write a review. Send this to someone that needs it. If, if you don't need it yourself, I mean, I think we all need it. So do that. And until next time, I'm out. <laughs>